Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library in Sultry, Savannah, Georgia, this is Obscure Season 3. Wuthering Heights, I am your host, your friend, your ear lover, your literary mansplainer-in-chief and Georgianologist, Michael Ian Black, Southern Gentleman Esquire, passport in hand, ready to depart the new world for the old. Uh, Leaving for Italia tomorrow afternoon, we'll be there for three months, followed by a three-month sojourn in the United Kingdom where two of the three authors uh, of Obscure resided. Quick word about my deteriorating mental health. Just an, you know, another, another rough week, but then you know, a few days ago it kind of lifted and I added half a, half a pill to my antidepressant medication and that seems to be helping, but my appetite has remained poor. My sleep erratic. Last night, I had a friend over who some of you may know. Her name is uh, Jen Spira. She and her hubby came on over, hubby Thomas, who's an actor. Jen's a writer. Very funny. Uh, if you're looking for a very funny book to read, I would recommend hers. It's called Big Time. It's very funny. And it's being adapted for a movie. Anyway, she came over and we ended up talking about Wuthering Heights, of all things. She, hold on, I'm yawning. She said she read it as a, uh, as an adolescent, maybe in high school or middle school or something, and agreed that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the mental frothings of somebody who has probably never been in love. You know, it reads like an adolescent idea of love, as we, we've talked about this before, is this kind of all-consuming, white-hot force that, uh, well, essentially consumes you. And that, that has not been my experience with love, with lust maybe, but not with love. Other than, I mean, maybe the like, the very like, you know, the adolescent variety of it. Yeah, we kind of agreed. Like Heathcliff, he's just not a real person. That's the problem with the book. The, if the book has a central problem, which it does, it is that Heathcliff is unrelatable. His motivations are bizarre. His actions are crazy. He himself seems to vacillate wildly between essentially psychosis and some kind of self-conscious reflection on his own character. I was going to say and misdeeds, but I don't think he thinks of himself as having committed misdeeds. Rather, the world has committed misdeeds unto him. 
And that is the book's fatal flaw. Is it well written? Absolutely. Beautifully written. Some great stuff. Funny at times, you know? But it's not, you know, it's it it it's basically like an emo kid's version of Sweet Valley High. One of those books or something, something like that. A television recommendation for you. I started watching Top Boy, which is a British crime drama or, you know, more like get, like drug dealing thing from, oh, I think about 10 years ago or so. It's on Netflix right now. I'd never heard of it, but I'll watch any, any kind of British gangster film is my jam. I like Brits committing crimes. That's how I like my Brits. And this does not disappoint. It's about a group of immigrants living in uh, council flats, dealing drugs and the ins and outs of that, their rivalries. It's kind of like the first season of The Wire, except if the first season of The Wire was the entirety of The Wire. That's kind of like what it is. Very well made, excellent acting, handful of dudes and, and women in that show who you're just like, oh man, these people are stars. Why aren't they? Why don't I see more of them? But excellent television show. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend it. Over at Wuthering Heights, man, we're just right down to it. And and like an asshole, I gotta I gotta pack this book with me and bring it overseas to uh, to the old world where Wuthering Heights does not belong. But I have no choice. I mean, I've just got a sliver of the book left, but it's not going to get read today. I can pretty much guarantee you that. Last time. Kathy was just throwing a little temper tantrum about Hareton and uh, the fact that he had been reading her books and uh, he she resented the hell out of him for that and she was he was trying to win her affections and she resented the hell out of that and she's just oh she was just mad she called him a beast and he she embarrassed him and it was just it was just terrible he tried to give the books back to her Basically what happened is he was trying to learn Latin and Greek and, and poems to impress her, to, to further his own education, his own betterment. And she just she just spit it right back in his face. And you got to feel bad for the kid. I do anyway. She says, I won't have them now, meaning the books. I shall connect them with you and hate them. That's just not, it's just not kind. Um, so we pick it up right there. Chapter... 31 of Wuthering Heights. This is Lockwood narrating. She opened one book that had obviously been often turned over and read a portion in the drawling tone of a beginner, then laughed and threw it from her. So she she opened a book, read it out loud the way somebody who's just learning to read would read it, and then laughed at him for doing that, and then threw the book away. So that's not good behavior. Can we agree? That's just not the kind of behavior that you want from somebody who maybe you have some feelings for. Because you start to think to yourself, hey, maybe this person doesn't like me very much. And uh, that indeed seems to be the case. She does not like her cousin. She's just cruel, just abjectly cruel towards him the same way he, in the past, has been abjectly cruel to dogs. 
And listen, she continued provokingly, commencing a verse of an old ballad in the same fashion. So that wasn't enough. She had to, she had to repeat the trick and just make it worse. But his self-love would endure no further torment. I heard, and not altogether disapprovingly, a manual check given to her saucy tongue. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? He slapped her? The little wretch had done her utmost to hurt her cousin's sensitive, though uncultivated, feelings, and a physical argument was the only mode he had of balancing the account and repaying its effects on the inflictor. Now look, I am no fan of Kathy Jr.'s behavior. I am also no fan of Hareton Earnshaw's. One does not assail another if one uh, ever, I don't think, unless it's, you know, in the in the throes of self-defense, which this was in one respect, but certainly not in the way that I had intended when I said self-defense. It's just bad behavior from Hareton, from Kathy. Lockwood is even exhibiting bad behavior. He's going, well, I watched her slap, I watched him slap her and I didn't entirely disapprove. <sighs> These people. God, Americans are brutes, aren't they? No wonder we're always killing each other. We're just a brutish clan, we Americans. He afterwards gathered the books and hurled them on the fire. I read in his countenance what anguish it was to offer that sacrifice to spleen. I fancied that as they consumed, he recalled the pleasure they had already imparted and the triumph and ever-increasing pleasure he had anticipated from them. And, I fancied, I guessed the incitement to his secret studies also. Well, very good, Sherlock Holmes. You're, you're a fucking genius. He had been content with daily labor and rough animal enjoyments till Catherine crossed his path. Shame at her scorn and hope of her approval were his first prompters to higher pursuits and instead of guarding him from one and winning him the other, his endeavors to raise himself had produced just the contrary result. Who else do we know that underwent the same exact process and met similar ends? I'll give you a second to think about it. Second is over. His name is Jude Foley. There is absolutely a kind of opprobrium when it comes to these authors and their social lessers when they try to climb the ladder of self-achievement. They're going to get pushed down to the bottom and, like Jack and Jill, and come tumbling down. Also, I've never used the word opprobrium before. And I'm not even sure I used it correctly. So let's look it up. Harsh criticism or censure. I don't even remember what I said, but I basically used it right. Yes, that's all the good that such a brute as you can get from them, cried Cathering. It says Cathering. There's a typo. Sucking her damaged lip and watching the conflagration with indignant eyes. You'd better hold your tongue now, he answered fiercely. And his agitation precluding further speech, he advanced hastily to the entrance, where I made way for him to pass. But ere he had crossed the door-stones, Mr. Heathcliff, coming up the causeway, encountered him, and laying hold of his shoulder, asked, 
"'What's to do now, my lad?' "'Not, not,' he said, and broke away to enjoy his grief and anger in solitude. Heathcliff gazed after him and sighed. "'It will be odd if I thwart myself,' he muttered, unconscious that I was behind him. "'But when I look for his father in his face, I find her every day more. "'How the devil is he so like? I can hardly bear to see him.' So he reminds her of his love, Kathy. He bent his eyes to the ground and walked moodily in. There was a restless, anxious expression in his countenance I had never remarked there before, and he looked sparer in person. His daughter-in-law, on perceiving him through the window, immediately escaped to the kitchen so that I remained alone. I'm glad to see you out of doors again, Mr. Lockwood, he said in reply to my greeting. From selfish motives, partly. Oh, I have to sneeze. Oh, you're going to have to. Oh, man. (coughs) Tell you one thing about Savannah. Spring comes early, folks. You know, in mid-February, we're starting to get the pollen in the air. and Folks walking around sneezing. And now we're in mid-March. And things are all in bloom. The weather's lovely. And I'm vacating. I don't think I could readily supply your loss in this desolation. I've wondered more than once what brought you here. An idle whim, I fear, sir, was my answer, or else an idle whim is going to spirit me away. I shall set out for London next week, and I must give you warning that I feel no disposition to retain Thrushcross Grange beyond the twelve months I agreed to rent it. I believe I shall not live there any more. Oh, indeed, you're tired of being banished from the world, are you? He said. But if you be coming to plead off paying for a place you won't occupy, your journey is useless. I never relent in exacting my due from anyone. Well, and that is, in fact, that could be his coat of arms. You know, that's that, that right there. There's the crest on his coat of arms written in Latin. I never relent in exacting my due from anyone. Let's take a short break. Back in a moment. Here on Obscure. Chabella, we're back on Obscure. On the Abascure. On the Obscure. We've been talking about going to Italy. You know, moving there for, what, the last six months or so. And and uh, Martha said, oh, and you're going to learn Italian, right? Like you're going to get Babel and learn and everything. And I said, yes. And I got Babel and I paid for it. And I took one lesson and that was it. I have not learned a word of Italian. Martha has been very diligently studying the language and seems to be moving fairly quickly. She's already fluent in French. And she says that the languages are actually quite similar. So be it. I'm hoping to learn the language somewhat through osmosis. I mean, I don't know how much I can learn in three months, but, you know, some, some. I'll, I'll probably learn, you know, street stuff, uh, how to order a coffee or pizza or something like that. I don't know. I've never had any sort of facility with languages. I don't expect that to change now that I am aged. I'm coming to plead off nothing about it, I exclaimed, considerably irritated. Should you wish it, I'll settle with you now. And I drew my notebook from my pocket. No, no, he replied coolly. You'll leave sufficient behind to cover your debts if you fail to return. I'm not in such a hurry. Sit down and take your dinner with us. A guest that is safe from repeating his visit can generally be made welcome. Well, that's that's a good joke, isn't it? A guest 
that is safe from repeating his visit can generally be made welcome. Right, right. Like if you're coming once, great. Like you can hang out, have a good time. And especially if I know you're not coming back, oh, that's 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 the best kind of guest there is. And uh, there is some truth in that, I suppose. Catherine, bring the things in. Where are you? Catherine reappeared, bearing a tray of knives and forks. You may get your dinner with Joseph, <laughs> muttered Heathcliff aside, and remain in the kitchen till he is gone. She obeyed his directions very punctually. Perhaps she had no temptation to transgress. Living among clowns and misanthropes, uh, misanthropists, thropists, living among clowns and misanthropists, or would you say misanthropists? I don't know. She probably cannot appreciate a better class of people when she meets them. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is that a little dig at her? I suppose it is. Living among these clowns, she probably cannot appreciate a better class of people when she meets them, meaning himself. Meaning himself. I mean, these classist Americans, they are just the worst. So this, is this I would say, is the first chink in the character of Lockwood that we have seen displayed. Yes, we know he broke somebody's heart in London. Uh, yes, he kept Mrs. Dean up past her bedtime. But from a purely character point of view, we now have evidence that his too is flawed because he considers himself to be her social better and patronizingly says she wouldn't recognize a social better when she met one, which she just has. With Mr. Heathcliff, grim and saturnine on one hand, and Hareton, absolutely dumb on the other, I made a somewhat cheerless meal and bid adieu early. I would have departed by the back way to get a last glimpse of Catherine and annoy old Joseph, but Hareton received others to lead up my horse, and my host himself escorted me to the door so I could not fulfill my wish. How dreary life gets over in that house, I reflected, while riding down the road. What a realization of something more romantic than a fairy tale it would have been for Mrs. Linton Heathcliff had she and I struck up an attachment as her good nurse desired and migrated together into the stirring atmosphere of the town. End of chapter 31. Okay, so let's just go back that. Go back over that for a second. What a realization of something more romantic than a fairy tale it would have been if we'd struck up an attachment. I guess he went there, you know, sort of like on a Tinder date. Like he's got a lot of, like he's got a lot of information on her. It's like he Googled her. He, you know, he 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 talked to her friends before this. Set up the Tinder date and it did not go well. And he's like, well. Say lovey, her loss. I'm her social better. She didn't recognize it. Fuck her, you know? So, I mean, I don't think, look, this kid, Kathy Jr., hard to imagine she's looking for love at this point in her life. She's just trying to survive. Now, it's possible she could have looked at him as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to get out, you know, entered into some kind of marriage of convenience or some damn thing, but she didn't take the cue. Chapter 32, 1802. So this is a different year, I suppose. Hmm, I don't know what, I don't know. This September, I was invited to devastate the moors of a friend in the north. 
How does one devastate the Moors? What does that mean? Devastate the Moors of a friend in the north. Anyway, and on my journey to his abode, I unexpectedly came within 15 miles of Gimmerton. The hostler at a roadside public house was holding a pail of water to refresh my horses when a cart of very green oats, newly reaped, passed by and he remarked, Jan's fro Gimmerton na, they're all as three wick after other folk with their harvest. Okay, you're, you're from Gimmerton, no, they're all three week after other, oh, they're always three weeks later after the harvest than other folks. Okay, got it. Gimmerton, I repeated. My residence in that locality had already grown dim and dreamy. Ah, I know. How far is it from this? Happened fourteen miles o'er the hills in a rough road, he answered. A sudden impulse seized me to visit Thrushcross Grange. It was scarcely noon, and I conceived that I might as well pass the night under my own roof, as in an inn. Besides, I could spare a day easily to arrange matters with my landlord and thus save myself the trouble of invading the neighborhood again. Having rested a while, I directed my servant to inquire the way to the village, and with great fatigue to our beasts, we managed the distance in some three hours. Okay, so 14 miles in three hours by horse. So that's less than five miles an hour. Why would that exhaust the beasts? But I guess it did. I left him there and proceeded down the valley alone. The gray church looked grayer and the lonely churchyard lonelier. I distinguished a moor sheep cropping the short turf on the graves. It was sweet warm weather, too warm for traveling, but the heat did not hinder me from enjoying the delightful scenery above and below. Had I seen it nearer August, I'm sure it would have tempted me to waste a month among its solitudes. In winter, nothing more dreary. In summer, nothing more divine than those glens shut in by hills and those bluff, bold swells of heath. I reached the Grange before sunset and knocked for admittance, but the family had retreated into the back premises, I judged by one thin blue wreath curling from the kitchen chimney and they did not hear. I rode into the court. Under the porch, a girl of nine or ten sat knitting, and an old woman reclined on the horse steps, smoking a meditative pipe. Is Mrs. Dean within? I demanded of the dame. Mistress Dean, eh, she answered. Shoe doesn't bide here. Shoe's up at the heights. Are you the housekeeper, then? I continued. Yeah, I'll keep the house, she replied. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then there's a uh, there's a little footnote there. I, I, I'm I hope that's not a translation because yeah, I keep the house because that was that was that was obvious what what the hell she was saying. Well, I'm Mister Lockwood, the master. Are there any? Why does he call himself the master? Well, all right. Well, let's just keep reading. Well, I'm Mister Lockwood, the master. Are there any rooms to lodge me? And I wonder. I wish to stay here all night. To master. She cried in astonishment. What? Whoever knew you're coming? You said I send word. There's no nor they're dry, nor men's fell about to place. Now there is not. <laughs> All right, that one I do need to look up, and thankfully there is. A footnote. The master, what? Whoever knew you were coming, you should have sent word. I got that part. There's nothing either dry or proper about the place. There isn't anything. She threw down her pipe 
and bustled in. So I guess he's paid, so it, it's got to be within the 12 months of his lease, right? He's still the master of the place. So 1802, I guess, can't be that much further along than where we were. She threw down her pipe and bustled in. The girl followed, and I entered too. Soon, perceiving that her report was true, and moreover, that I had almost upset her wits by my unwelcome apparition. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting choice of words, is it not? Another ghost haunting the lonely homes of Gimmerton. First, it was Kathy Sr. haunting Wuthering Heights, and now a different kind of apparition appearing at Thrushcross Grange. Some lovely symmetry there, the beginning of the book and the end. I bid her be composed. I would go out for a walk. In meantime, she must try to prepare a corner of a sitting room for me to sup in and a bedroom to sleep in. No sweeping and dusting, only good fires and dry sheets were necessary. She seemed willing to do her best, though she thrust the hearth brush into the grates in mistake for the poker, and Mal appropriated several other articles of her craft. But I retired, confiding in her energy for a resting place against my return. Wuthering Heights was the goal of my proposed excursion. An afterthought brought me back when I had quitted the court. All well at the heights, I inquired of the woman. Eh, Frau Dino. <laughs> e, this is how it's spelled. E-E-A, comma, F apostrophe R, O-W-T, E-E-K-N-A-W. If, uh, I, I, I think she's saying it's fine. Yeah, all the same. For, as far as I know, the same. Scurrying away with a pan of hot cinders. I would have asked why Mrs. Dean had deserted the Grange, but it was impossible to delay her at such a crisis, so I turned away and made my exit, rambling leisurely along. With the glow, I mean, we got as, we might as well give it one. I went a little too high at the beginning. beginning. I, did, I had to try it again on a slightly lower register. I don't know, something, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't, I can't quite get as high as I used to. Maybe I've just matured. Uh, rambling leisurely along with the glow of a sinking sun behind and the mild glory of a rising moon in front, one fading and the other brightening as I quitted the park and climbed the stony by-road branching off to Mr. Heathcliff's dwelling. Before I arrived in sight of it, all that remained of day was a beamless amber light along the west, but I could see every pebble on the path and every blade of grass by that splendid moon. I had neither to climb the gate nor to knock. It yielded to my hand. That is an improvement, I thought. And I noticed another, by the aid of my nostrils, a fragrance of stalks and wallflowers wafted on the air from amongst the homely fruit trees. Both doors and lattices were open, and yet, as is usually the case in a coal district, a fine red fire illumined the chimney the comfort which the eye derives from it renders the extra heat endurable. But the house of Wuthering Heights is so large that the inmates have plenty of space for withdrawing out of its influence, and accordingly 
what inmates there were, had stationed themselves not far from one of the windows. I could both see them and hear them talk before I entered, and looked and listened in consequence, being moved thereto by a mingled sense of curiosity and envy that grew as I lingered. Curiosity and envy indeed, what has he discovered? At Wuthering Heights will leave it there. Curiosity and envy, what could provoke such emotions? When one has returned to that dreary pile, Wuthering Heights, I do not know. The next time you hear from me, it will be in Roma. Uh, Martha and I are considering doing some sort of podcast or, I don't know, something detailing our our trip. Don't know if that will happen or not. Who's to say? I mean, we're barely speaking these days. That's not true. I, I just made that up for no reason at all. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm off for six months for the first time now. I'm getting a little bit excited about it. I have been nothing but apprehensive up until this point, and now that it is upon me, I can just vaguely see my own shape sitting in a cafe, drinking, you know, some aper- asp- what do you call it? Asperol? Aspertif? Asper? I don't know. Some Campari or some damn thing, and watching the hapless Americans amble by as I, a paisan of the city, recline, relax, and reflect on all we have learned while reading Wuthering Heights. So that is it for this week. We shall return on another Old World episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you Arrivederci. Arrivederci.